The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. We are live at Rivers Casino in Philadelphia. And Joe, some news this morning uh, at the top for the Flyers. More change. It was announced by Comcast Spectacor that Dave Scott will be retiring. He is the chairman of Spectacor, which, of course, owns the Flyers, and he is governor of the Flyers. Dan Helferty, who was brought on last month as CEO of Spectacore, will take over Dave Scott's responsibilities. So some change in ownership. Joe, when you saw the news, what were your initial impressions? Uh, my initial impressions were when they announced that Dan Hilferty was coming on board um, it was a couple months ago now. Um, it seemed like things were trending in this direction. Um I don't know how much it affects the overall everyday operations in terms of the product on the ice. I suspect not a ton. However, Dan Hilferty has been very vocal about the, his goals when it comes to the Flyers. Um, so that, I think, is something that people want to hear. Um, the goal of returning this franchise to... Um, really relevance to start. If you want to start at the basic level, relevance would be the first thing because I think a lot of people that's been kind of a buzzword this year is relevance and them not being that. So um, I think that's a good start. Uh, that's what people want to hear. They want to hear something, a, a guy that's dedicated to getting this team back to um, really the, the consistent playoff uh, team that's going to be in the mix every year like they were in the 90s, like they were for much of the 2000s. And then after 2010, I mean, things have really, outside of a few years and very few playoff series wins, things have come off the rails a little bit. And I think people are looking to um, get back to that. And we've heard John Tortorella say, do it the right way. Maybe this is the right way um, or, you know, part of the right way. I, I really think it's go it's going to come down to personnel with this team. It's going to come down to the hockey people doing hockey things. And I think that a change in the who is at the top is it's a change and it's a big one from a business perspective and an overall perspective. I'm not sure. I think it's a little piece of changing the product on the ice yeah when the team doesn't do well and uh you know comes off of a 57 loss season and uh fan frustration as is really at like a peak um criticism is going to go er everywhere and ownership's part of it um and i think a lot of people among flyers fans they miss ed snyder who founded the, the team was an icon 
was incredibly passionate about hockey. Uh, Dave Scott obviously had more of a business background and uh, was not Ed Snyder. I don't think anyone was going to be Ed Snyder. So really, I don't think there's a problem with ownership for the Flyers. It's it's a hockey ops thing. They got to get things right in terms of drafting and developing more talent, uh, being a team again that's worthy of going out and making splashes in the offseason. They need to make better hockey decisions. Uh, it's not an ownership problem. Uh, while this is kind of a new change, a new page for the Flyers, Dan Helferty taking over, perhaps there could be some new vision and some new, some, uh, new leadership style, but uh, this is very much a business decision, and w- what it comes down to is making better hockey decisions yeah, I for mean, the Flyers. It doesn't matter who the owner was. If you were to put take your take an ideal owner, a hypothetical perfect owner of an NHL franchise, and you say to them, you're going to have a number two pick who pans out to nothing, essentially. Uh, you're going to overpay guys that just really don't live up to the contracts that they have. Um, and you just put that in front of them. I mean, no owner is getting their way out of that. They're just not. It's very hard to recover from a a, a top two pick not panning out. And it's really hard to navigate around big contracts that don't live up. The player doesn't live up to the contract that's in front of him because the worst combination of things to be is up against the cap and not a good team. And that's quite frankly, putting it kindly to what the flyers have been the past few years up against it, salary cap wise and not a good team. Yeah. Um, now they were around the bubble playoffs. They seemed like they had found some things and it just, you know, it didn't pan out. And I mean, I'm not going to – a lot of people have referred to those COVID seasons as like kind of fake seasons and make-believe and the divisions got changed and all this kind of stuff. I'm not going to go that far, but what I am going to say is this team that they're facing tomorrow night was in the Stanley Cup Finals that year, and really they've been a disaster since. So I don't think that that bubble playoff – was indicative of where those teams were in terms of their stature in the league, because outside of Tampa, uh, you don't really see those teams that were in the mix that year. They're not like it hasn't panned out for all those teams. I mean, you had the Arizona coyotes in the mix and you had, I mean, it's, there, there, there's some merit to the whole idea that that was a mirage type of season. So I don't know necessarily that the Flyers fit into that because they had Carter Hart playing well, Drew Voracek, guys were playing well. So I'm not going to say that that was make-believe or anything like that. But what I am going to say is those guys got another year older. Um, you had Matt Niskin in retire. Uh, you had a uh, – and I should mention – when I mentioned the ownership, the Ryan Ellis thing, I mean, I don't know that he was damaged goods when they got him, but I know it's played out like he was damaged goods. And it's another thing that's very hard to overcome. You just can't overcome paying out a big contract, making a trade and having it literally pan out to four games on the ice. And 
these are this is this is what's going on with the Flyers over the last few years, and it, it's almost like when a team is in a rut, this kind of stuff finds that team, and uh, I think it's found the Flyers. So it, as you said, it comes down to hockey operations, it comes down to player personnel, and it comes down to hockey people scouting and developing and those sorts of things. And in terms of those things, I'm not sure the guy on top, in this case, Dan Hilferty, has a whole lot to do with that. He's just, he's the guy at the top, but he, he's not tasked with finding the next great players, finding the next foundation of this team. That is left up to John Tortorella and presumably Danny Briere and the next president of Hockey Ops. Um, so, that's really where this thing is going to be, you know, it's make or break for this thing in those departments of the, of this team. The number one thing you want to see from ownership is probably investing. That's, that's their job is to invest resources uh, to make the team better by putting people in charge that are going to do it. And uh, you know what, while people maybe, you know, while Dave Scott probably caught a lot of flack for not being Ed Snyder and maybe not, you know, storming down to the Bowser the Arena to try to find the officials after a game or getting into it with Gary Bedman, some of some stories that were that made Ed Snyder who he is and, and a special person. Uh, they invested. Uh, Comcast has in Spectacore. They invest. I mean, if you look at it, they renovated the entire arena to make the fan experience better. Uh, and they have invested on hockey ops. They they added positions to the analyst department. They added positions to the medical team. Um, they have invested. They have put money in to make the team better. It comes down to people on the hockey ops sides making better decisions, adding more talent, being strategic in the way they add talent, the way they develop talent, and knowing when to make aggressive decisions, knowing when to value the long game. That's what it comes down to. So I really don't think it's an ownership problem. I thought today was interesting news. It was notable. Dave Scott moving on. He's going to retire. And Dan Helferty taking over. Um, while, I, while I find it notable, it really comes down to ownership putting the right resources in, the right people in charge, and those people making the right decisions to make the Flyers better. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about here. Yeah. Um, because let's be honest. If Danny Briere, the new president of Hockey Ops, or whatever, however that plays out and what that becomes, and John Tortorella, if that group of, of people makes the right decisions, um, no one's going to be talking about Dan Hilferty. They're just not. I, I mean, if he puts himself out there and he's at games and he's cheering, they'll talk about him in that way. But nobody's going to be talking about no one's going to be breaking down the job he's doing if the guys underneath him that are working in player personnel for this team are are doing like if they're getting their parts of the job right nobody's going to be talking about Dan Hilferty in terms of hockey ops um and i think that is what everybody here is looking for everyone here is looking for that to be the case and as i said to get this team back to uh relevance, prominence, contending, uh, being a playoff team and being really one of the pillars in this NHL. I mean, you hear when you hear the Canadian guys that cover this league and the insiders talk about the Flyers, they talk about them as NHL royalty. You can tell how they talk and how this franchise is viewed 
from, I don't want to say afar because it's not afar, but the people who value the sport the most know that the Flyers are a very valuable piece. Uh, it's not the, I'm not trying to put down any teams, but it's not the Arizona Coyotes. It's not the San Jose Sharks. This is a, you know, they were, they've been a, a pillar in this league for a long time now. And that's thanks to Ed Snyder. And the Flyers have to get back to um, really honoring and sort of pay, paying forward the legacy that Snyder left with this team. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Joe, another big thing in Flyers land is they're winning again. And And scoring a lot of goals. And scoring a lot of goals. Uh, Things that we had not seen for months, uh, wins and goals. Uh, And they're probably not doing it at the best time. That's fair to say. Uh, It was too little too late. Uh, So I think a lot of people are balancing. While it's nice to see young players producing and wins coming from it, uh, at the same time, the Flyers are not helping their NHL draft lottery odds. Uh, And as we all know, the Flyers had a decent chance to you know, be among the top seven, top five teams fighting for the best pick in the draft. Uh, the Flyers are 4-1-1 one, and one on this seven-game homestand. They got one more game left. They're scoring over four goals per game, and a lot of youth is pushing this. So I do think it's real positive for their rebuild that they're seeing young players look like pieces, and they're finding wins, too. I mean, if some of these young players were just blending in and not scoring and the team was getting blown up by four or five. I'd be like, wow, maybe these young players aren't as good as some people were hoping. And the Flyers are looking in, in even more of a troubling state, but they're seeing some progress. How do you balance Joe in the mind, in your mind, the wins and the the positives on the ice with hurting the lottery chances? Well, there's a couple things. Um, if, if people need to realize that this is not the coach that is going to have a team tank. They're just not. He said it quite uh, vehemently uh, on a number of occasions this season. He's talked about it. He's talked about the letters he's gotten from the fans, and he's not interested in that. And he says and the players aren't interested in it either. And if you think about it, a lot of the players on this team are fighting for their own future. So why would they be interested in the tanking thing? Now, um, yeah, it's... If you had your sights set on Connor Bedard or one of these top picks, that might not happen. It might, but the chances of it happening are definitely getting less with each win. And uh, But you are seeing Cam York, and you're seeing some of these young guys really round into shape. Um, and more importantly, which we may not be seeing ourselves, but the coaching staff hopefully is, they're deciphering, as we've heard John Tortorella talk about, who's not going to be here as well. And that is really what has to happen. 
Um, I think that people need to put their trust in the people that are in charge. And right now that's John Tortorella and Danny Briere. Um, there was a lot of sort of venom and vitriol toward Chuck Fletcher. Well, he's not there anymore. So you need to put, cause you really can't control it. I mean, at this point they could lose every game for the rest of the season. They're not going to have the worst record. Um, so I think you want to see building blocks. You want to see a team playing for a coach. So that can't be bad. And I think you're getting to see that Owen Tippett is, is a, a piece here. Um, you're, I mean, we're seeing the Cam York is going to be a piece here. Uh, Joel Farabee found his scoring. I mean, you can't have it both ways because there were certainly a lot of complaints about Joel Farabee's season, and now he's playing well. And when guys like that start playing well, you start to win. You start to score goals. So you can't have them be awful and these guys play well all at the same time. It's just not going to happen. So, um, yeah, maybe it's coming at the wrong time, but again, if you were if you were happy with the hiring of John Tortorella, you can't be surprised by this by him not letting this team just bottom out. He doesn't do that. Look at his track record, look at the rosters he's coached and where he's gotten them. His teams don't bottom out. They simply don't. He doesn't let them do it. And I think that is one of the traits of this coach that is admirable and one of the reasons they hired him here. Yeah. And I mean, if the Flyers were going to seriously tank, they needed to do it before the it season needed to start way earlier than, you know, two weeks ago, right? Three it, weeks it, ago. Right. Exactly. If yeah. you're embracing that and really wanting that um, it starts well before now. And at this point, what are the Flyers going to do? Healthy scratch Owen Tippett, healthy right. scratch Noah Cates. And, and it, honestly, like if you take a look, Jordan, at these teams that are all at the bottom of the league, they're all winning games recently because the guys that are playing for them are going out there and playing with nothing to lose. They're taking smart risks. And in some cases, I can't claim to watch every team, but they're probably taking not smart risks because really the outcomes of the games don't matter. So, but a lot of those teams, you're seeing Columbus win some games. You're seeing Arizona win some games. Um, really, the only team you haven't seen win games in this recent stretch is the Sharks, who now I believe have taken over the worst spot in the league. Yes. So there's, I don't think you can claim any of these teams are tanking because there's been a lot of teams winning games recently, a lot of teams playing teams close. Um, so, I think that's a that's a fa that's a nice term that the fans throw around. To, oh, let's just tank. And quite frankly, with what some of the teams and other sports have done, especially in this town, uh, that it, it seems it's all it's a little too commonplace in sports now. Oh, we'll just tank to get the pick. You know, hockey's a little different. You can't go out there and not play, or you get yourself run through the glass. Yeah doesn't really happen in basketball. Um, you can't do that in football. Baseball, who knows? But the draft in baseball is so different than other sports. And But that even that draft is trending toward these other sports. So I, I just I think it's an overblown topic that is not as real in the sport as it is, as it is talked about amongst the fan base. Exactly. And uh, 
players don't tank. It, I, the people that tank are decision makers. They have to put the people on the ice that are going to give themselves the best opportunity to lose. And the Flyers have some decent players. They have some good young players that are playing right now with confidence. Um, they have a decent makeup uh, that is giving themselves a chance to win, especially when you have a goalie like Carter Hart in net. And for me, the Flyers weren't – they had a decent chance of sliding into the bottom five. I don't think they were going to slide into the bottom four. So I just really don't think they were ever getting Connor Bernard. I just don't. And last year, they had the fourth best odds going into the lottery. They had a 9.5% chance to get the number one overall pick. The Devils were the fifth worst team. They had the 8.5% chance. So the chances are so slim, even if you're mm-hmm. fifth or fourth. Um, and I really don't think they were going to get into the top three or the top two. They were not going to be the worst team in the league. So I just don't get a whole – I just don't get much out of – like being mad that they're losing and wanting the best odds. Like they're still going to be in the bottom, probably seven or eight. They're going to get a really good pick um, and they should get a decent player. They should get a guy with upside. um, And that's what it's all about. But I I really think it's really good progress to see these young players producing like Tyson Forster going out there, a kid who you think is going to be a major foundation piece, a kid with the best shot in the organization he goes out there and essentially wins you a game against a playoff team. Like he goes out there and and in, it's his sixth game or his uh, seventh game, uh, seventh, seventh game, game yeah. I believe it was. Yeah, and goes out there and just shows the biggest strength of his game. Something that this organization has desperately needed a guy to a, a guy that can beat a goalie with zero help. Doesn't need a screen. Doesn't need a, someone in front of the net. Doesn't need someone finding him. Like he just goes out there and wins a game with his shot. Like that's a positive. That's like wow. That kid could be something. He could be something for the future. And you're seeing it in meaningful moments. I mean, like against a wild team that's going to make the playoffs in the third period where pressure's on, they're trailing in the game. He goes out there and ties the game with a shot. They go on to win the game. That's a positive to me. Tyson Force is going to feed off of that in the future. The Flyers are going to use it in the future. So uh, if, if I'm picking one side of the coin of do I want them to lose or should you be more positive about the winning, I think it's positive about them showing some strides seeing some progress from their kids, uh, stuff that's going to hopefully carry over into next year. So that's where I stand. To me, it's always tough to, there's one thing when the fan base knows that they don't, the team doesn't have a ton of talent and they're probably going to lose a lot. But on top of that, if you tell them they're going to lose, they're going to essentially try to lose on purpose. Um, It's a really bad look. And, uh, you know, if you believe in karma, I don't think that's getting you any good karma. So that's another factor here. And, you know, we've heard it in this town. I mean, it was the cards were on the table when the Sixers did this. Now, yeah, they got some good players out of it. But has it panned out in the glory that everyone thinks it does? Not yet. I mean, it might, but. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's not, it is not an instant fix. And by no means is it a guarantee. And I think that is where the way it's talked about is let's flip the tanking switch. And then in a couple of years, it's a guaranteed title. And it's not, it really isn't. Uh, I want to, if you look around all of sports, I don't know the teams that tanked that won a championship. I mean, who are they? Who are the guys? Who are the teams that want to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, not a lot of teams tank because tanking is not only one, it has to be done before the season, 
But tanking is also not only moving out some veteran players with bigger contracts, but it's trading young pieces. It's it's trading young pieces um, to gain even more assets in terms of picks and being really, really bad. Uh, you just don't see a lot of teams trade a lot of their young prospects to totally, totally restart. Uh, and the Flyers had some young prospects that they liked. They wanted to build around them. They wanted to start playing them this season because they felt they bottomed out last year, and they very much did. They had 57 losses. They were very bad, uh, and they they felt this season was the year to kind of start building. They might not have been a playoff team this year, but they felt they could start building. I'm not going to argue with that approach. I, I felt they bottomed out last year. I felt they needed to play kids this year, and they actually made things interesting. Maybe that hurt their lottery odds, but uh, I thought this was a good year to accept reality, start building around their kids, and I felt they've played a lot of their young players, and they've learned about some of them. Like Owen Tippett was a big one. Was he going to be a complimentary guy or was he going to be like a top six player? He's looking like a top six player and a guy that you could potentially put some pieces around and, and uh, see if he's a part of the solution. Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pass line, there's something for everyone, including a great sports book. Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, Joe, if there's one young kid that's perhaps impressed you the most of this homestand where they're really gaining steam on this homestand. It's, it hasn't been a so-so homestand. It's been a very good one. One kid that's maybe caught your eye the most, who, who has it been? To me, it's got to be Forrester. And the yeah. reason to me it's got to be Forrester is because he he does veteran things. And he has the least game experience of anybody playing right now. And I'm not including guys that are in for the lineup and out. you know, But his shot, where he gets to on the ice, um, we saw it very early on, his um, instincts on the defensive end, the block he makes against uh, when he dove in front of the shot. I forget what game that was. Yeah, they kind of blend together at this point. <laughs> yeah, so he dove in front of the shot because Hart yeah. was on the other side of the net with a play that was carrying on. So those are the kind of things you don't really see. You don't see young players, especially guys that are are, are look to have a big – offensive upside you don't see them thinking about defense this early in their career they just don't they usually need to be coached up to start thinking about that end of the ice i mean you hear john tortorella and coaches around the league say in order for this guy to take the next step they have to play a 200 foot game this guy comes in and he's playing a 200 foot game from his first game in the league and i think that is super impressive along with his offensive skills so you know, to me, it's got to be him. Forster's a great one. Uh, I think he's really opened eyes in this audition. Seven points in eight games. He's back with the Phantoms now for their playoff push. Um, I'm not sure they could have asked a whole lot more from him. He got off to a bit of a slow start, then he turned it on. But you don't always see some of those kids, Joe, come up and make a splash early. And I mean, seven points in eight games, scoring goals, blocking shots. Like He did a little bit of everything. I thought he made a splash when he came up here. I mean, if you think about it, the number one pick in the draft last year was Shane Wright. He he was up, and he was down to the minors, and, and he struggled. Yeah. That was the number one pick. So, I mean, it's nothing, nothing about a draft pick is guaranteed. Nothing about a young player is guaranteed. And the chances are, I don't know this because I didn't see what Dave Haxtell said about it or Seattle's front office, but chances are Shane Wright was up and down and in and out of the lineup because of what he was doing on the defensive side of the ice. Cause that is usually what gets players 
out of the lineup. And I mean, everyone knew the book on Shane Wright going into the draft and he was not able to stay for his first full NHL season. So to me, that is where you look and you say, okay, well, what's missing from a lot of young players games. And it's usually on the defensive side and right from the get go with Forrester, we've seen him on the noticeable on the defensive side. And to me, that's, that's a big thing. Yeah. You really impressed a coach like John Tortorello who values defense immensely. And he did a lot of things in terms of holding onto the puck, showing poise and a willingness to defend. Not easy to do with a coach like John Tortorella to, to win a guy over uh, with not just your shot and your offense, but also your defense. For me, Joe, I think it's also Owen Tippett, a hat trick on this homestand, a guy that consistently looks like the best player on the ice for the Flyers. He's driving his line, and I wasn't sure about that when they acquired him in the Claude Giroux trade. I wasn't sure if he was a guy that was going to drive his line. I thought maybe he'd be a complimentary I, piece. I don't think any of us were sure, right? No. I mean, we, none of us said this guy's going to be a power forward and a top six forward yeah. and uh, one of the big you know, building pieces toward the future. I don't think anyone said that. Yeah. And Carter Hart, too, uh, for me, he's backboned a lot of these wins. Uh, he's been incredible on the homestand. He's 4-0, so he's won four of the six games so far and very much just looking like the guy in net. And now there might be some debate about whether the Flyers should be willing to maybe use him as an asset. Like, will he be, will he be at his peak when the Flyers are winning again? Uh, should they trade him while he's in his prime, all that fun stuff? But regardless, him playing well is a good sign because either he's going to be a really good asset for you if you want to try to cash in on him, or he's very much the goalie of the future and the guy that will be in net when the Flyers are winning again, whenever that is. Uh, so Carter Hart looking really good, and Owen Tippett, too, to me, taking massive strides. Uh, two young players, 24 years old each, um, looking like major pieces. Yeah, I, I, I think you've almost seen... Carter Hart, it's almost like he heard some of the chatter about, oh, maybe we should trade him. And he said, oh, okay, well, I'll just show you why you shouldn't. Yeah. Why why I'm a building block. And Owen Tippett, we've talked about. I mean, it's really – um, again, I've said this on this podcast before. Chuck Fletcher's taken a lot of heat for the things, the moves that he made, the contracts that he gave out. That's one – that you don't hear talked about that he should get credit for because he got pigeonholed in the Claude Giroux situation to send him to Florida and to get this return. I, you can't, you have to hand it to him. That was a big, uh, a big haul for your captain. You're one of the best players in franchise history. So he has to get credit for that. And I should mention, I misspoke. Shane Wright was the fourth pick in the draft last year. <laughs> he was the most talked about player going into the draft, but, storyline last year was that he was falling past past the, those top three picks yeah. but nevertheless he was the fourth pick in the draft he was probably the most talked about player going into that draft and he hasn't stayed in the nhl all year so you really never know if a player is mature enough to play in the league and has nothing to do with their offensive skills and it, it almost always has to do with their responsibility at the other end of the ice and not being a liability out there. And quite frankly, in these, in these lesser leagues, players don't always learn that part of the game like they do at the NHL level. And when you're in the NHL level, if you're lacking in, a, in a, some of the areas on the defensive end, 
it's going to get exposed quickly. The coaches are too good. The players are too good for that not to be exposed. So I wanted to clear that up. No, I completely understand what you mean. He was the the headliner of that draft in many yeah. people's eyes, and he was still a top four pick. Yeah. Uh, that struggled to stay in the NHL early on. Um, Forster obviously was the 23rd overall, I believe, in his draft. Um, still a young kid and was able to come up here and actually hold his own, not look like out of place or anything like that. So uh, some positive and he's, signs. And Forrester's had some time to develop. Sure. So that's not always a bad thing. I This day and age in sports, there's this immediacy that everybody wants. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they, we want that guy. We want him in the majors right away. And he need er, the majors, yeah. the, the NHL, you know, the NFL, you don't really worry about that. Yeah. But, uh, even baseball now, you're seeing guys that used to spend four and five years in the minor leagues, and now it's like if they're the the second year after they're drafted, it's like, okay, let's get them up to – everything's about immediacy. Guys aren't always ready for immediacy. And I think we're seeing here with Forrester and the stuff that I mentioned, some of that time in the minor leagues, it does pay off. And really – if you bring a guy up and they struggle in the NHL in a down season for a team, what are they getting out of it? They they might be learning, but let's just say everything else aside, if Forrester was up last year for the Flyers, what would he have learned? He would have been a bad team, a historically bad season, a coach got fired, was placed replaced by an interim coach, and a coaching staff that is no longer here. So you could argue more harm could have been done if he was to play here last year. So. Yeah, that's the one. No, yeah. That's the one glaring thing I noticed that's different from this year to last year is one. They are better. They're more competitive. Uh, that's you can even just look at the point and win total from last year to this year, but th- they're giving their kids a better environment to potentially develop and learn. And that, that's important to right. me. Right, And I don't think any of these kids are wondering if this coach or this assistant or any of the, if they're going to be here next year. Right. And that's a big deal. Consistency is a big deal for young players. We see careers come off the rails because guys don't have coaching and that's across sports. I mean, how many times do you hear it with quarterbacks and football? Well, they've had three different offensive coordinators. Yeah. I mean, it's not as under a microscope as in hockey and other sports. But I think the same can be said when the guys behind the bench and the guys in the training room and the guys you're working with every day, position coaches are changing nonstop. It's really hard to grab any consistency with your game. And I think that is what we're seeing with Forrester. And I think it's the benefit we're seeing of him playing in the minor leagues. 10 games left for the Flyers in this season. Everyone knows there's not going to be playoffs, but uh, the Flyers are starting to make some strides here, and we'll see how it impacts their NHL draft lottery odds, how many more games they can win, which uh, which kids can stand out some more and maybe punctuate their seasons and really their audition uh, in front of John Tortorella and management. But a lot to watch and a lot to evaluate. We'll have it all right here on Flyers Talk Podcast. Joe Fordyce, thank you so much. Great to see you. Great to chat with you. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. 